If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and it's, uh, well, it's a happy new year. It's been a while since I've been back with you uh, on a solo episode. But since I am now down here in settled pretty much for the next 10 days or so in Arizona, I thought I would test out my portable recording equipment and do this all by myself. Anyhow, I've got stuff to tell you. I've got things that have been happening to us while we've been on this road trip that are directly relevant to our vacation rental industry. Although I am traveling around in a a recreational vehicle, an RV. I had a note from somebody the other day on Facebook Messenger. In fact, it was an invitation to go and speak at an RV conference. And I got it completely modeled, thinking it was a VR conference and went back with some completely erroneous information. I'm sure the lady was uh, surprised and a little bit confused about my response, but once we got it sorted out, it was quite interesting because it's an RV conference for people who actually go out on the road with their RVs and go and volunteer at campgrounds, or they go and work locally in the area. It's called the Work Camper Conference, and... The reason they got in touch with me was because everybody that's, or the majority of people that are out on the road, those that haven't sold their properties to do the travelling, are leaving empty homes behind. And if I were to go and talk, it would be about you know what, what you do with your empty home. And of course, the best uh, opportunity and option for that is to rent it out on the short-term market. So I am looking at that, but it was it was just interesting that that we had this uh, this conversation, slight confusion. But there are two industries: the RV traveling industry and the vacation rental industry are quite close in terms of some of the issues that uh, that we face and some of the topics that I talk about on this podcast are completely relevant to what we're doing even though we're carrying our house uh, on our backs, as it were. You know, it's on the back of the truck. And I'll give you a couple of examples. We only stay in campgrounds that have been reviewed and that we've checked out on rvparkreviews.com. I've mentioned this before. If you go way back into, usually it's once a year when I do these solo episodes from the RV that, uh, that I talk about this, that I talk about RV park reviews and why they are so important to us uh, as campers, as uh, nomads, I guess. And to me, it's it's no less important than checking out an Airbnb review or a home away review. So, so this is the topic of my podcast today, a topic of this episode. We're going to be talking about reviews, how important they are. I, mean, I went and bought a kettle. You know what I'm like about kettles. I've got to have my tea. So... We had to get a new kettle recently, and and I really have to struggle not to check out all the reviews on Amazon.com on different makes of kettle. I mean, basically, they boil water. That's it. And I honestly don't care how quickly they boil water. 
uh, as long as within five minutes or so I have a decent cup of tea. So I did pull back from spending wasted time or just wasting my time on checking out all the kettles on Amazon.com. However, you know, coming back on the parks we stay at, we do follow RV park reviews very, very closely. I like my comforts of home. I like to have good Wi-Fi in a campground. I want pretty good water pressure and a stable electricity supply. Those are the few things that I that are sort of my must-haves. And then I like to be greeted friend, in, with a friendly face when we check in. It's no different from arriving at a vacation rental and being faced by somebody who, who clearly is not welcoming. It's very disconcerting when there's a grumpy face behind the counter and they don't make eye contact and they don't thank you for choosing their site to come and settle in for a, for a, maybe just a night. But sometimes, like we are here, we're here for two weeks and, and you're going to see these people on a daily basis. And I want to have a friendly face. So the RV Park Reviews site gives a very good indicator of, of what a site is going to be like. You can, as you can imagine, it's, it's not like a, your vacation rental where it's just one person checking in for a night or a week or a month. It is, you know, on many of these sites, there's probably, on the larger sites, there's maybe 30 people, 30 rigs checking in every day. And if only... 10% of those review the sites. You've got three sites, three reviews per, per day. And the people who do review these are the ones that go around the country. They are constantly on the road. They know what they want. And they, they give a clear indicator of what a site's going to be like. So when we chose this one in Karchner State Park in uh, southern Arizona, about an hour south of Tucson. And it is glorious here. It really is a beautiful, beautiful site. The um, the sites where we've got the RV really uh, are nicely private, lots of space between them, a picnic table with, and a fire pit, which is equally as important as some of the other things. Now, I read the reviews and the overall rating of the park was 9.4 or 9.5 out of 10, which is really excellent. And a couple of the things that were mentioned in the reviews were the Wi-Fi is not that good. At the times when the park is full, everybody's online, it does tend to be a little less robust uh, than we'd expect and perhaps I would like. Secondly, the water pressure is lousy. There's barely any water comes out of the taps, but, you know, we can make do with that. And then thirdly, since we've been here five days now, the power keeps going out. And I said I wanted a stable electricity to supply. But every so often, and just as it did this morning, I got up, set up all my equipment, started to do the recording and put the kettle on. Do you see a theme here? Anyhow, I put the kettle on and the power went out. Now, this is the sixth time in the five days we've been here that the power has gone out. However, it doesn't bother me that much. Now, why is this? It's because when the power went out yesterday morning, we contacted the camp host, who is a volunteer, who is in an RV close by, and said we had an issue with the power, it keeps going out, we're obviously overloading the circuit, and apparently it happens every time I put the kettle on. And was it possible to get somebody to come out? Five minutes later, 
the guy arrives and he's super friendly, could not be more helpful, determines that the problem could be the breaker switch on not our panel, but on the uh, on the pedestal panel outside. You know, we plug into a pedestal on a 30 amp connection. So he checks that out and he says, oh, I'm not sure what it is, but it could be that this uh, this breaker keeps tripping and will just replace the breaker. So he replaces it and he talks to us. We have this lovely chat about the fact that he plays Wyatt Earp in one of the Tombstone reenactions. And he went and played he played Wyatt Earp in Henley on Thames in England as well. Really, really fascinating. I mean, I love speaking to people when we're on our travels, just learning about everybody's, you know, what, what everybody does and and why they live where they do. And it, it's just fascinating. And he was. So his last um, his last remark to us, you know, I'm only five or ten minutes away. I'm always in and around the park. Give me a call if you've got any more problems. So this morning, of course, the, the power goes off again and we fix it. Go outside, reset the breaker, decide not to use the kettle anymore. We're going on, on, on the electricity. Um, we bought one that sits on the gas stove. But why am I not upset about this? Why does all this have, you know, low, low water pressure, Wi-Fi is not great, power keeps going out. Why is it that I'm still walking around saying, I think this is the best RV site we have ever, ever stayed in. And it's not just because of the the scenery, which is stunning, and the hikes, which are amazing. It's because of the combination of factors that make it a very comfortable place to be. I don't really care about the Wi-Fi. I don't, I'm not that bothered about the water pressure, all these things that usually go to make up my mind whether I really like somewhere or not. But the one thing that has really convinced me that I'm going to write my review and give it give this place 10 out of 10 is because of the prompt response to issues, the fabulous customer service, the friendliness of everybody that is around here, and the amazing welcome that that we've had. And all those things just have counteracted the negatives. So in the next half hour or so, I'm going to be talking about, I'm not talking directly about the psychology of why people write reviews that they do, or make negative comments about things that they can't change, or are just plain nasty. I'm going to just focus really on the general topic of reviews, why people write them, why more and more people are writing them, reading them, and forming opinions from them. And I'm going to look at six things that we can actually learn from reviews and then move on to five steps that you can get the best reviews possible. So let's let's just wind back about 10 years because it's over a decade since Flipkey, if you remember Flipkey, now part of TripAdvisor, they disrupted the vacation rental industry with the concept of publishing live reviews. They launched their rental guest review and reputation management service. And at that time, many vacation rental owners and managers would publish reviews on their websites. However, those reviews tended to be the ones that we'd picked over 
and just included the best ones. I mean, why would we publish something where some somebody had been negative about the property when we didn't have to? So we hated the idea. You know, going back 10 years, we hated the idea of live reviews. And it garnered so many comments on forums. I mean, at that time, there was a Yahoo forum for vacation rental owners. It was a very cliquey little spot. But my goodness, did they take Flipkey apart in their condemnation of this awful thing, which was the live review. So let's forget that. Let's skip 10 years on. I mean, few people nowadays will buy anything without reading a review. I struggled with buying a $20 kettle. So for somebody who's spending $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 and upwards for renting a property, of course they're going to be wanting to read the reviews. And just as I would not go into any campground without knowing how good the Wi-Fi is, the water pressure is, whether the water pressure is strong, whether the sites are close together and what the management attitude is to campers. So no self-respecting guest is going to want to part with a darn sight more money than I've spent on two weeks in a campground without learning what other people have said. Just backtracking a little bit, I realised when I was talking about the RV park that I hadn't mentioned that in all the reviews that were on the sites that we, we, we check out, a lot of people had mentioned the lower water pressure and the iffy Wi-Fi and, and a couple of other aspects. But many more had mentioned how fabulous the place was and all those positives in all those reviews. And some of them were not as stellar as others. All those positive comments wiped out the negative ones. We're going to be discussing that and why it's not necessary to have all five-star reviews, and in fact, how that can be detrimental at times. Just a couple of statistics for you. And this comes from a company called brightlocal.com, and I'm putting a link to their consumer review survey on the show notes. Go take a look at that. There's some really interesting stats on there. And, And some of them are not surprising, really. For example, 91% of people who are looking to buy something will read an online review. 91%. That is a lot. 84% of those who read online reviews will trust them. They will trust them to give them the information they need to make their consumer decision. And 68% of those who read the online reviews form an opinion after reading between one and six reviews. Just think about your own behavior when you're making a a purchase. When you go to Amazon.com, do you ever just go straight in, see something that you want and just buy it without scrolling down to look at the reviews? And, And come on, I bet you pick out the negative ones. You want to read those negative reviews. Of course we do. We want to see why people have an ax to grind. And, and in fact, it's interesting that for me in particular, when I'm looking at reviews and when the majority of them are really, really positive and you see a one star review, of course, you're going to gravitate to that. And it's interesting that so often you can read between the lines or not necessarily between the lines. It's, it's usually pretty obvious that that consumer has a real axe to grind about something. And 
it's rare, and certainly for me, it's rare that I would make a decision not to purchase something based on one negative review out of a dozen positives. We're bright people. The majority of us, we are bright, intelligent people. And we make our judgments based on a balance of the information that's supplied to us. So I think there's one, if there's one thing that comes out of me talking about reviews, and I'm really stuck into looking at reviews at the moment, and I'll mention that a bit later on. But there is one thing that it is not the end of the world if you get a negative review, if an upset customer decides to go to social media and and take out their angst on you and do it in a very public forum. There are ways of handling that. But these people tend to not these people tend not to think through what they're saying and they make it very clear that they do have this axe to grind and there are other motives in their purpose of their review. Now that's not to say that there are things that people say in reviews that are very relevant and the owner or the manager may be at fault. We're not perfect. And if you're not perfect and you cut corners, don't pay attention to detail, then a reviewer is going to pick that up and let you know and let the public know. So let's kick off by talking about the six things we can learn from reviews. Now, before we start this, I just want to to, to make it clear that you need to know who your persona is. You need to know who the people are who are most likely to come to your property and be marketing directly to them. And that is in terms of the way you use your text, the way the text in a, in a listing, the photographs you take, the information you supply. All that should be directed to the type of guest that is going to love your place, love the area and be more than comfortable in it. Because if you are marketing really, really widely and sort of the spaghetti against the wall type of marketing, you're going to have people come who don't like your specific style of accommodation. We do it with our uh, cottage rentals because some of our cottages are very rustic and although they are spotlessly clean, they were built 30, 40 years ago. They're cabins. They don't have all the bells and whistles of of some of the newer properties. So we do not market to those people who who want what we call the drywall palace on the lake. And and there's plenty of those. They want the, the newer property with all the the comforts of home. So we have to make very clear in our listings exactly what is offered in the more rustic cabin and to say that who you know, this is perhaps not suitable for a, a certain type of people. And we do that in some specific ways. That really is to start with. You need to know who your clients are, what they like and what they don't like. And you need to find out what they focus on, what's important to them. And one of the ways of doing that is you look at not just your reviews, but other people's reviews. You check them out. What is it they're saying they like? What don't they like? You know, perhaps you're down in a beach area and reading other people's reviews and you can see that people are commenting on the free beach chairs that are provided or in other areas and certainly in our areas where 
we're not close to restaurants, people tend to comment on how well equipped the kitchens are. So that gives us some really good information that we can then share. So secondly, reviews tell you what you could do better. I mean, this is really important stuff. When somebody mentions something they don't like and those people are your persona, you can be guaranteed that you're going to get the same comment at some point if you don't pay attention to it. So if you see a review that mentions there are not enough reading lights and somebody might say, we like to sit and curl up and read a book, but there were not enough reading lights. That's a really important point to make because you are going to have guests come to your place that want to curl up in a in a chair and read a book. So just make sure you've got the reading lights. These reviews and your competitors' reviews are absolute gold. They bring you the information and you need to go through them and make a note of it. So you learn from reviews how your competition is, how your competition are winning the clients. So you go through the reviews, look at the ones that are right at the top of the sort and read every one, highlight the things that people are saying that they absolutely love. This is how your competition's winning the clients. So you also find how the amenities that your guests find important. And not all amenities win praise from every one of your guests. You may think your sauna is the best thing ever and you spent a lot of money on it. And sometimes, you know, mostly people don't comment on it or they don't use it. That's because your persona does not find that an important amenity. And that's just a sort of side sidebar here, that when you are thinking about things to add to your property to make it better for your clients, think about your persona. Will that persona like that amenity or will they just not care because they like other things? Just another reason why you should define your persona so tightly. Okay, number five of things to learn from reviews, whether your photos and text are doing the job of telling your story accurately. And some of the key phrases that people will use are, the photos don't do the place justice. That is not a great comment to see. You might think, oh great, they loved it. But that's also telling you, that your photos are not doing the place justice. Your photos are not telling the story. So you need to go back, have a look at your photos and see if you can do much better with them because you're going to build a higher occupancy rate if your photos do your property justice. And that's the same with the text. You know, you go th if, if somebody mentions... So number six... Something to learn from reviews is if your guests are being surprised. The key expressions, phrases are, I didn't realise. It wasn't made clear. I didn't know. I was surprised that the neighbours were so close. That's one you often see. And if you, if you see that, then you've got to go back to your text and you've got to say something about the proximity of neighbours. You can't hide this stuff. It will come out in the reviews, it will be commented on, and you will lose five-star status if you continue to surprise your guests with things that should be out in the open, upfront, and transparent. So, how can you do your best to build a list of five-star reviews? 
And I'm just going to give you five steps here to get the best reviews possible. Once again, first, you've got to know your guests and what fires them up. You've got to collect information on them. So, you know, we're focusing on reviews here, which sort of assumes that you've got the bookings and people are going to come and they're going to enjoy your property and leave a lovely review. I mean, that is the goal. However, you need to go right back to the beginning before the actual booking process. You need to get in there at the inquiry stage and start to amass a dossier on each of your guests. Start to collect information. Now, customer service guru John DeJulius calls it customer intelligence. We start collecting customer intelligence from the very first connection with them because people will begin to tell you stuff and you create a document or you could definitely use a spreadsheet or if you're using a a customer relationship management software such as Active Campaign or I'm not sure MailChimp does it but uh, something like that you can begin to start collecting information on your customers and that's the information that they give you in their communication. So DeJulius uses the acronym FORD, F-O-R-D. So he says we should uh, have a column for family, column for occupation, for recreation and dreams. So in your family column, it just simply says, you know, how many people are in the family? Is is grandmother there? Is our grandparents there? How old are the kids? Really, what style of group are inquiring about the property. Secondly, occupation. It's always interesting to know the occupation of your your guests. You know, are they nurses, doctors, lawyers? Uh, What do they do for a living? Now, often guests actually give you that information in communication or you can glean it from them if you're you can get it from them in, in conversation. I always remember a family that came to one of our properties and came back year after year after year. And we learned very early on that they were dairy farmers from um, the northern, one of the northern US states, I think it was, might have been Pennsylvania, dairy farmers. And they were only able to get away for a few days, for, for three or four days because at that time they they were they didn't have an automated robot style um uh, milking system um they they were still getting up at 5:30 or milking at 5:30 in the morning and 5:30 in the evening so when they came away they had to get somebody else in to run the farm for them for four or five days and and this was you know it was a of a concern for them now from that from knowing that we knew we had to put them in the place that had really, really good Wi-Fi so that they could have connection with the people who were running their farm. They also had to have a good cell signal. They also wanted a peaceful and quiet time. So we we made sure that they were in a place that was not surrounded by lots of families with lots of screaming kids. We, We found them just the perfect spot that was nicely isolated, um, but yet fairly close to a small town with restaurants because they never got the chance to really go out and and have a have a meal out because of of where they lived so 
just knowing that information about them being dairy farmers, we were able to point them in the direction of just the right spot that would suit their uh, their family. And we got the most amazing reviews from them about the places we chose for them. So the third one is recreation. And once again, you can find this out from the communication you get from your guests. What do they like to do? You might hear that, and, and certainly all, all our properties are on water. So we often hear from guests that their sons or daughters are looking forward to going fishing because uh, because they can. They can fish off the end of the dock. You hear about, or somebody might ask about hiking trails or walking trails or running or what the swimming is like. So you can learn from that what recreational activities they actually like. Golf is another one. If golf is mentioned, that gives you enough detail to be able to send them uh, tailored information between booking and arrival. And that that is something that really uh, has huge impact on guests, how they enjoy their vacation and how they ultimately review it. And finally, um, DeJulius calls it DREAMS. That's the D in the F-O-R-D acronym. You'll learn from the communication with guests what their dreams are, what their, and something you just ask them. Once you're in communication with them, you can ask them, you know, what's, what's going to make this vacation the absolute best for you? And how can we help to contribute to that? And that's when they'll come back and give you uh, so much information on what's going to make the vacation the best. And don't forget, you're not, you're not selling accommodation, you're selling an experience. If you continue to think that all you have on offer is a property and guests just go out and find their own leisure activities without any contribution from you, it's not going to bring you the reviews that you want. Because nowadays people are buying experiences. They're not just buying your accommodation. And you, as owner or property manager, have a responsibility to help them to create this best vacation ever. So I learned from a guest recently that she was so looking forward to hiking the country roads in the area. So that got marked down as the the dreams. It was also recreation, but it was also the dreams. It was her vision of her vacation was was very clear. And we were able to help her with that just by sending her information on hiking trails, on spots on those hiking trails where she could do photography and and some other helpful stuff, you know, where, where to stop along a, we, we sent her some information on three or four, four hour hikes and places where they could stop along the way and maybe get an ice cream. So you can tailor every experience for your guests um, by knowing this information. So first of all, you, you know, set out to get that customer intelligence. So the five steps to getting the best reviews is number one, how you communicate. And this is a very simple one. You just use their preferred method. I went to uh, Niagara Falls. I went to Ottawa last summer with my family and, and rented a property off Airbnb. And it was clearly a very young uh, owner who owned this. And in fact, she, uh, she managed the apartment on behalf of her father. Now, every communication with us was in abbreviated texts. Now, 
those of you who know me, you know that I am, I've been around in an era before the internet. And it's a while I'm quite happy to text and I'm pretty good on most technology. It's just not my favourite favorite form of, um, of communication. I like email. I like telephone calls. Um, but she was communicating only with these abbreviated texts and it was so irritating and annoying because I, I like to get an email with information that I can then print out. I still print out stuff. So using your guest's preferred method of communication is really, really important. Now, how do you know that? You ask, what do they like to use? How would they like to communicate with you? Is it WhatsApp? Is it FB Messenger? Email? Phone? Whatever. You then respond promptly and comprehensively. Create a list of frequently asked questions that will answer a lot of, of the queries that they have along the way. And then also show your interest all the time in their vacation planning. And, and this can be automated. You can have an automated system that funnels your guests into into different pots if you if you like you know those those who love active outdoor activities are going to to get information on all those things they can do outside those who have said they're traveling with with babies and children are going to get information on the places they can go and take their babies and kids same with pets so because you know your guests, you know who they're bringing with them, then you tailor the information for them and you communicate with them in the way that they prefer. Secondly, and this goes on from this, it's the information you supply. Martin Picard from uh, Vrizi says, accommodation is often second to experience. Well, I actually think it's not just often, it's mostly always second to experience. So if you can contribute to their experience with your expertise, you'll have them hooked. I mean, you know your area. Most guests don't know anything about the location they're going to. So you've got to help them out with this stuff. And it could be sending them information on events, on shopping, on restaurants, attractions, rentals, excursions, those sorts of things. From your research, you know what your guests are interested in and you send them information on that topic so that you're tailoring your information supply. Uh, an example from my experience of going to vacation rentals, I love to cook on vacation. We very, very rarely go out to eat. A list of restaurants doesn't, you know, I'm just not interested in a list of restaurants. But if I had an owner who sent me information on farmers markets and speciality food stores where I could go and shop for the types of um, fresh produce that I'd be looking for to cook while I'm on vacation, you've absolutely got me. I just value that information so much more. But if you don't know that that about me, and it's something you can find out because you can ask the question, you know, what do I like to do? Do I do I like restaurants? Would I like information on restaurants? I would be telling you. So the information you supply can contribute hugely to how your guests actually perceive your property and the service you're supplying to them. Thirdly, the accuracy and transparency of the listing. This is this is paramount. Maybe this should have been number one. The place has to be just as described. And it comes back to not having surprises for people. It's got to be just as described. The photos should reflect the place as it is. So you keep those photos up to date because people will they see stuff in photos six months before they go on vacation. And when they get there, they expect the place to look exactly the same. Now, I do understand that the bedding might be different. You might use different types of bedding or change it out. But it should 
have that same feel. So the patterns might be different, but the look of the bed as a sumptuous place to go and sleep has got to be the same in reality as it was on the photos. If you're listing things like hammocks or if you're showing pictures of hammocks or lounging chairs and I'll give you my story on bunk beds. I advertised my property years ago, Osprey Cottage, and it showed bunk beds in one of the rooms and somebody booked. And about three months later, we decided that Well, my cleaning lady said, I really can't get up and change, change the linens on that top bunk bed. Can we take them down? And instead of the double with a single bunk over, we can separate them out and have a double bed and a single and a twin. It seemed like a fabulous idea. So that's what we did. And then the family arrived with the eight-year-old who's been promised the top bunk bed. This little guy had never slept in a top bunk bed and this was his this was his focus for his vacation. He was so he his mother when she told us about this, he'd gone back to the photo over and over and over again to look at this top bunk bed and it was the the real focus of his vacation. So when they arrived and found out there was no bunk beds, it was, well, they were, but they were separated out on one level. That prompted uh, a lot of issues. <laughs> it was a few years ago, but I do, I have never forgotten that one. What we actually did, we went down and we manhandled the bottom, the, the twin bed and put it back on top of the double. At least we were able to do that. If If we had actually changed it completely out, and not told them, I, I think they would have been justified in asking for a refund and, and maybe even moving to another place because there they are on vacation with an eight-year-old who is in a lot of, well, let's, let's say he was very upset. So something else, um, you know, not mentioning noise. If, if you don't mention things like train noise, that will come back to bite you. And and I've mentioned this one before is is about the you know, the proximity of neighbours. You've got to be transparent about how close the neighbours are because so many photos just show the the house, the property on its own without coming back and taking the wider view to show exactly where the neighbours are. And in many cases, owners aren't. You know, they. I, I know that guests, many guests in many areas, will go to Google, uh, Google Maps and Street View. But a lot of places aren't on Street View. Certainly our our properties aren't because they're, they're down dirt tracks. So you've got to give guests the opportunity to see the layout of the exterior of the property as well as the interior because you don't want those nasty surprises. Well, the guests don't want a nasty surprise of arriving to what they think is, is, a, is a remote and very private location to find that there's neighbours very close on either side. There was an example, a review that I, I saw recently and it just said we deducted a star from the rating because the cabin is not as secluded as the pictures would have you think. So that's an easy one to remedy. Really easy. It's just be transparent, be accurate and let people know exactly what to expect. So number four is the actual accommodation experience. Now you notice that, you know, I've put this one at number four and that is true. It needs to be it's not as important as how you communicate the information you supply and the accuracy and transparency of the listing because a lot of these things have gone before they actually get there. So you've got to get those right. And as one of um, my, my office manager says, you don't want to pre-sour 
the guests. If you screw them up through the booking process or through the process between booking and arrival, they are pre-soured. So any little thing that might go wrong when they get there is going to be amplified because they're already in that frame of mind that they're suspicious, they're not confident, and you are heading for a poor review. Accommodation experience. Some people, you know, will never give five stars. And statistically, Europeans are much less likely to give a perfect score than US guests. Uh, I spoke to a friend recently who said, I would never give five stars because that, that, that gives the impression that a place is perfect and no place is that perfect. There's always room for improvement. You know, that, that's just an aside. Some people just don't do it. They won't give you perfection. Um, think about it. From arrival to departure, the stay is scrutinised. And weather plays a huge role in guest satisfaction. And we've in our office, we use we use the phrase nitpicking around the cottage. And what it means is that when when the weather is bad on check in day, when they arrive, guests are unhappy because of the weather. It's nothing to do with you, but they want to justify that unhappiness and they will take it out on the tiniest things, the hair in the shower, the dust bunny under the bed, a lack of attention to detail on cleanliness, maybe Maybe there's dust on, on fans or in window sills. So those are a few areas where dissatisfaction can come with the accommodation and specifically when the, when the weather's not too good. Here's a couple of others. A bad first impression if there's a problem with entry. Any unexpected surprises like construction next door. This happens to us all the time. And it's something that we pay a lot of attention to and ask our owners to let us know as soon as somebody starts construction, uh, a neighbour, so we can get in touch with guests and let them know. And I actually give them the opportunity to, uh, to, to go somewhere else. And I know it's not the owner's fault when their neighbour suddenly decides to demolish their garden shed and rebuild another one right through the week that guests are going to be there. But we've got to focus on what the guests like. So, you know, just another good pointer this is just another reason why you need to have good neighbor relations so that you know what your neighbors are going to do and when and uh, and if you can perhaps negotiate with them on when would be the best time to do their work unpleasant smells are a real cause for complaint they come from and this is an e again an easy one to deal with plug-in air fresheners they take them out please please take out the plug-in air fresheners they're nasty. There's other natural ways of fragrancing a home. So so don't use them. Um, strong bleach smells. This often is the case when, when you're using a professional cleaning company. They seem to think that the stronger the bleach smell, the better the owner or the guest will think the place has been cleaned. But it really, if, if you walk into a place and all you can smell is, is, is bleach and toilet cleaner, it's not pleasant. Of course, cleanliness is just right up there. I should have put it in first. You know, cleanliness is the number one issue for uh, for complaint, for genuine complaints. And there's no excuse for it. Things missing or broken, things that are advertised that are not there, that's unacceptable. The moment something goes missing or it gets broken, you've got to bring it to the attention of the incoming guest to let them know if you're not able to to effect a replacement. So just keep an eye on or make sure that your property manager has a good inventory on 
everything in the property and they can um, let you know if something's damaged or missing so you can then inform the incoming guests. So significantly not as described, SNAD, that used to be a prominent cause of complaint many years ago. And I think uh, I think owners and managers have got much, much better in describing their properties accurately. But it is still an issue in some cases. So continuously go back and check the text on your listing and make sure that everything is accurate and describes a property fully and uh, So your guests will not complain that the property is not as described. Lastly, how you respond to issues. I mean, stuff happens. We deal with it. But for guests, it has to be dealt with immediately. Let me go back to this uh, this RV site we're on. Five minutes after we mentioned that the power had gone out and the breaker kept tripping, the guy turned up. Our annoyance at the power going out was immediately recovered by the promptness and swiftness of the recovery. And it's regardless as to whether it's a dripping tap or if it's the AC breaking down. A dripping tap can be just as annoying to some guests as a a full uh, facility uh, breaking down, such as a fridge stopping cooling or the Wi-Fi going out. Everything has to be given equal attention because to that guest, the smallest thing can be really prominent to them and it can make a real impact on the vacation. The keys to turning a problem into an opportunity, and you can, there's a, a wonderful expression that a complaint is a gift because you have the opportunity when you get a complaint to recover it so well that they will absolutely love you so much for it. They'll, they'll forget about the issue in the first place. So number one is being accessible or at least having somebody accessible that can answer a complaint within minutes, even with just a, you know having an immediate acknowledgement. Then swift recovery, making sure that a complaint can be dealt with very, very quickly. And then finally following up to make sure that how the complaint was handled how the issue was handled was to the guest's satisfaction and they're happy with the outcome. Just a brief example, we were in Exuma a number of years ago and absolutely fabulous property, gorgeous property. And one, and in Exuma, there are power outages occasionally. And there was a, a rainstorm went through, the power went out in the night. Now, what we loved when we got up in the night was that there were little night lights on the floor So even though the power was out, those night lights kicked in, emergency lights kicked in when it went out. So it was fine getting up in the night. We knew the power had gone out. And then about nine o'clock in the morning, the power came back on, which was wonderful. But the water pump didn't. Now, this happens a lot in our cottages as well. But, you know, this is an experience I had. The water pump did not come back on. And we, we tried to get in touch with the property manager. We tried to get in touch with the owner. And we had no response for about four or five hours. We eventually got hold of the owner in Canada who was able to get in touch with the caretaker who had not charged his phone. And of course, with the power outage, he wasn't able to charge his phone up. And then when the power came back on, he forgot. So that was a reason we couldn't contact him. So we were without water the whole day. And that really impacted our experience of that vacation. We were there for for a week. And one day of that week, we had 
no water. Now, it might not seem a big thing, but it's exacerbated. You know, you pay a lot for a vacation and something like this happens. And, you know, every time you want some water, you turn the tap on. There's nothing. We had kids with us. We couldn't bathe them. We couldn't clean teeth. It was, I certainly wouldn't say it was a disaster, but it was really annoying. And it certainly impacted the review that we gave, which would have been amazing had we not had this issue. So, of course, you know, I've I've spoken before about emergency planning. If you have an emergency plan, then something, you know, a situation like this would not have have arisen because it would have been covered off in an emergency plan. If you remember the vacation rental formula, you can go to the emergency planning action plan and go through how we set one of those up. I just want to give you a couple of examples of reviews that I read recently. One is, nice home. Could use some updates, though. We enjoyed the pool table. The location is beautiful when the weather is clear. Need to add, it's a steep drive to reach the property. It was good, other than not enough bathroom paper. Um, I love that one because it, it, you know, it's a nice home, but it could use some updates. So there's something to look at. We enjoyed the pool table and the location is beautiful when the weather is clear. Well, you know, there's nothing you can do about the weather. But need to add, it is a steep drive to reach. Now, this is this is the Gatlinburg area. And for those who've been up there, you know that it's tough to, you know, some, some of those uh, accesses can be pretty steep. So it's so important to mention that. So that's transparency. And then good, other than not enough bathroom paper. And that that was a three-star review. It's it's interesting to to wonder whether if, you know, a few more rolls of toilet paper could have upped that review to four or even five stars. You just don't know. Another one was overall recommend the cabin and location. Was disappointed that our fireplace didn't work because service forgot to look at the propane tank and see it was empty. Since it was Friday, they wouldn't fill it. There's so much in that one that makes you want to shake whoever manages that property. Again, it was... It, I can't remember if it was a three or a four star, but they lost a star because somebody had not replaced the propane tank. So it's all about attention to detail. Okay, I think I've rambled on more than enough. And I'm certainly coming to the end of, I did say it was going to be half an hour, but I'm coming to the end of my hour now. So just to finish, the reason I've done this episode on reviews is because I'm I'm writing a course at the moment, which should be finished very shortly. And it's on managing reviews and it takes all these things that I've been talking about and adds in a whole lot more about all the things, how you can collect this information, how you analyze it, how you actually use it to create the environment for your guests to give you the best reviews. Because it is not just the accommodation and having a clean place. There is so much more that comes into creating the best reviews ever. So that uh, that course is going to be published in a, in a week or so, and it's going to be free for Vacation Rental Formula members, uh, as ever. That's that's what you get for your membership. Is every course that I produce is uh, is is free, and also your access to me along with that. So if you've got questions, you're able to come to me or to Mike or to Jason. That that's just a benefit of the Vacation Rental Formula Club membership. So. I would love to hear from you about your reviews, your experience with reviews. What 
you know, have you ever have you ever done something, taken something that somebody says in a review really seriously, made some changes and reaped the benefits from it? I'd love to hear from you about that. We are going to be talking about reviews a little bit more. I'll be doing a webinar shortly on the subject. So watch out for that. That will be public. You'll be able to uh, watch that webinar uh, as I go through these things in a little bit more detail. So that's it for now. I'm off out for a hike today in this wonderful uh, Arizona scenery. And I have been delighted to be with you. So I'm off out for a hike today in this Arizona scenery. So once I get this all edited and out to you, I'll be out on the trails and really looking forward to it. You may get another one or two solo episodes while I'm on the road. We'll be heading into just onto the California border shortly and then up to Sedona. And then, of course, I'll be um, I'll be going to the Vacation Rental Women's Summit in New Orleans in uh, February. It's only four weeks now. Wow. I better get moving on my... Uh, on my presentation for that. So I hope I'm going to see some of you there. Definitely want to um, get to meet you. So please, if you see me at the Vacation Rental Women's Summit, if you see me around, just come sit down, have a cup of coffee. It never bothers me when it, when somebody will just come up and say hello. I absolutely love it. So please don't be shy. Okay. Thank you so much for tuning in this week and I look forward to being with you again next time. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.